Show number 59 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. There. (laughs) Okay, everybody, we're breaking with tradition. We are? We're not drinking burners. Oh, we're not. That's true. I'm drinking cocoa. <laughs> and I have um, a beverage from the evil evil Starbucks Corporation. But, you know, I have stock in Starbucks, so I... <laughs> so okay you can't feel me. that strongly yeah, about their evility. Yeah, yeah, I drink their beverages. There are more evil empires than Starbucks. It's true. It's true. Um, and I have stock. So, um, anyway, this is... So, show- everybody, get out there and buy that Starbucks... <laughs> Drive yeah. Lena's stock Because they, they need a lot of help in that area. Yeah. There aren't enough people drinking Starbucks. That's right. That's right. It's really fucking cold is why we're drinking hot yes. beverages today. Yes. Man, it's cold. And we were actually going to fire up all of the laptops we <laughs> own to use them as space heaters. <laughs> this is true. Um, so here we are, show 59. My yep. goodness. Just rolling right along. And um, we have some very topical things. There are a couple of things I wanted to say first. One of which is um, I really want an iPhone. And I want one now. <laughs> I know, my God. I think the words had just maybe not even gotten out of Steve Jobs' mouth. And I get this I am saying, I must have one. And I was like, okay. So I, I was, <laughs> then I had to go read up on it because I, I don't keep as up to the second as you do. Well, it's because I sit next to Logan, the boy wonder. And, of mm-hmm. course, we're both Mac fanatics. And um, so we kept checking and checking. And there were a couple of blogs that were posting sort of minute-by-minute stuff. They were blogging right, right from the keynote. Right. And then he announced it, and they had screenshots, and we're sitting there, you know, with our mouths open, and there's saliva dripping out and everything, and it's just so cool, so incredibly cool. And I, I wanted one so much, and so did Logan, that we actually went to this site that now has an iPhone countdown to, to tell you <laughs> how many hours until it's going to be released, and then you can print out life-size and cut it out and tape it together and have a a paper version, so I have one on my desk. <laughs> you have a prototype. I do. I have a prototype. It doesn't work, but it looks really cool. That's how much I want one. Wow. But it is awfully cool, and I know that, you know, like anything that Apple releases, the first one is going to be all full of bugs and everything. It's basically going to be a beta that people are getting hold of, but I want one anyway because it's really cool. Okay. So I just had to say that. All right. iPhone. I do think it, it it's really cool, even though I would never use a good 50% of what you can do on it mm-hmm. just because I'm not that that geeky but yeah. um it's cool. Well, I had been thinking that I needed to upgrade my phone anyway to, to have more mm-hmm. stuff because of work. Like, I need email access, and this could actually, like, do that for me. Right. Even right. though it's expensive. But anyhow, yes, it's very cool, and, you know, Steve's the man and all that. <laughs> he did a really good presentation. Yeah, let's hope he doesn't end up in prison because of those stock options. That's things. right. Yeah, they didn't really talk about that much at Macworld. No! <laughs> Strangely enough, I yeah. couldn't believe it. Okay. Okay. That was thing number one. Thing number two is just a little announcement that I wanted to to make. Um, several people have dropped me notices on MySpace saying that they wanted to be my friend, and I think they're probably fans of this show, but I don't know that, and I don't friend anybody who I don't know because I just don't do that. So if you are one of those people and you wanted to be my friend on MySpace, um, I'd be happy to do that as long as you also send me an email or a note via MySpace saying, hi, I like your show, and that's why I want to be your friend. Um, so, of course, my MySpace account is Lena Taylor. It's really easy to find. But if you're just some random person who drops me a thing saying, I want to be your friend, I'm not going to friend you because I get lots of those. There are people who spam MySpace. And, you know, clearly the ones that are marked um, hot webcam girls 
XXX. Those I just delete. I don't even read those. But other people who look like they're Trek fans, I can't, I can't tell. Right. So anyway, I'm just letting you know. Okay. Send me an email if you want to do that. All right. Now, the news news. The news news. Bill news. Bill. News from oh, around no. his butt. <laughs> Why don't you read that little thing? Okay, Bill cannot keep his mouth shut. Never. Bill has leaked the plot <laughs> of the new Star Trek movie. And actually, I don't think he really did. I think he just sort of burbled. And knowing how Bill gets this sort of thing wrong, <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, be, be uh-huh. running out to go, this is what it's going to be. But here's what um, it says here on this blog at Wired.com. William Shatner leaks plot of new Star Trek movie. Sci-Fi Wire is reporting today that William Shatner has leaked plot details about J.J. Abrams' Star Trek XI movie. Abrams, if you'll recall, has broken many good minds with twisty plotage (laughs) on shows like Alias and Lost. Here's what Shatner has to say. Quote, Yes, we know the story is based on young Kirk. I met with J.J. and they told me they would like me to be part of their film, but they have to write the role. They need to figure out how to put the dead captain in with the young captain. It's a very complex technical problem of how to write the character in, and I'm not sure how they will solve it. Okay, basically Bill has told us nothing we haven't already (laughs) heard in several other rumors. Um, Here's the blog commentary. I'm sure J.J., the plot maker, Abrams, won't have any trouble coming up with something frustrating and implausible to explain why a Boston lawyer with a taste for dwarf ass, and that's crossed out, an undead 60-something Captain Kirk has shown up in the middle of 20-something Cadet Kirk's life. Shatner also fessed up that the movie will take place at Starfleet Academy and will explore Kirk and Spock's early relationship. Ah, the KS community will be happy tonight. What's that link to for KS community? I don't know. Let's find out. Watch, it goes to my webpage. <laughs> oh, it goes to the Wikipedia entry over KS. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That is very amusing. Um, well, thanks, Bill. Thanks for cluing us in. Um, who knows if this is really going to happen? You know, the more I think about it, I'm thinking... Okay, if you're going to, to do a continuing TOS mm-hmm. adventure, that's fine. Do a continuing adventure. Prequels suck, because we yeah. all know where they're going. Yeah, yeah. And somebody on some blog or board or whatever that I was reading was pointing out that if they're going to do this early years thing, they should have Gary Mitchell in it. Because totally. he is Kirk's friend who he wants serving with him at that point, not Spock. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, Bill basically told us nothing, but um, as, as I was saying while we were having our lunch, you know, he can't keep his mouth shut, and I read another interview, and maybe I can dig it up, where basically he was talking about what's coming up on Boston Legal, mm-hmm. and he more or less goes, oops, I can't tell you anymore, I'll be in violation of my contract, I'm like three words away from a lawsuit. <laughs> so, you know, you just have to take it all with a grain of salt. I have heard that... Um, that they also want Leonard to participate. Yeah, I had heard that too. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, Leonard has made some fairly firm statements about he's completely retired from acting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll oh, see. Well, so it would be an odd-numbered movie, which does not bode well. Um, <laughs> You know what? I know somebody was, was talking about that. And, okay, let's be honest. When was the last good Trek movie? Um... Four. <laughs> yeah. 
and there were several odd numbers after that. That's true. Although six was pretty good. Yeah. Six was pretty but good. But I'm just saying, we're up to 11. Yeah, that's true. Eight was not bad, first contact. It wasn't bad. It was okay. 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 It's all right. You know. If you say so. I, I do. I, I actually kind of like that movie. Okay. Um, the one after First Contact was stupid. Well, in that last one where, where Troy and Riker got married I mean, and... I didn't even see that And one. they just did uh, a, a more or less remake of, of Wrath of Khan with Data's death and... Oh, did I ever tell you the circumstances under which... I saw the one that was after First Contact. Was it called Insurrection, or is that the other one? I don't know. I don't know. The one that came after First Contact, an odd-numbered one. Right. Did I tell you this? No, I don't think so. I watched that movie at 3 o'clock in the morning um, at home because I had whooping cough, and I couldn't sleep, and um, they couldn't really give me anything for it because the idiots didn't diagnose me. I mean, they had diagnosed me with whooping cough, but they didn't actually tell me that or give me any medication for it. They just kept giving me cough medicine with higher and higher doses of codeine, but I really couldn't <sighs> sleep because I was coughing so much. Yeah. So I was laying on the couch and I was so miserable and I had, um, digital cable with on, not on demand, but pay-per-view. And that was right when the movie came to that. So I, I dialed it up and I watched it. So I have this really weird memory of watching it. A, being dosed up with co- uh, cocaine, with codeine. <laughs> high on codeine, laying on the couch in the middle of winter, coughing fitfully, and sort of like going, this movie sucks. And I haven't seen it since then. So that's really my only memory of it. And going, why is Picard like getting the girl in here? She's much younger than him. That doesn't make any sense. It, that only makes sense if it's Bill, you know. <laughs> So, yeah, that was my experience. I probably should watch it again one day, just to see if it's as bad as it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. there could be other things I'd be doing with my time. <sighs> um, so I found this article where Bill talks about... Um, Bast and Legal? Yeah, Bast and oh, Legal. Oh, I like this picture of him. Mm-hmm. He's wearing a, a fruity little tie there. Oh, here he goes. We'll pick up our 13th show January 2nd. He was talking about when they start filming again. And I would think by January... Fourth, we'll shoot a balcony scene in which I dance with James Spader, who's dressed in a costume. And it's one of the laughs of all time. And that hasn't been on yet. And then they say, um, wow, what kind of costume is he wearing? And Shatner says, I held myself back there because I suddenly thought of that clause in my contract. I can't talk about anything. Then he laughs. I pulled back from the brink of a lawsuit. <laughs> so uh, we have that to look forward to. That's going to be awesome. Oh, wait, there's more. This oh, is good. Okay, I meant good. to... Okay, then the interviewer says, you've had some very enjoyable romantic relationships on the show, too. Are those fun to play? Oh, yeah, so much fun. Then they say, Kirk had this reputation as the ultimate ladies' man, and Chetney says, which was perhaps more fun. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So um, that's a cool interview. It's an IGN exclusive, and I'm not sure what IGN stands for. Oh, I forget. They have a lot of um, science fiction-related movie and TV news. And, and good interviews, too. The people who actually interview for them are much better than the regular interviews. This was a good interview. Yeah, they know what they're talking about. Um, and they're not just, like, butt-kisser fanboys, which is good. <laughs> um, coming up, while we're giving people news and things to, to watch out for, there's going to be a special, I believe in February, on the History Channel about uh-huh. Star Trek and Leonard. Oh, you mentioned that, yeah. Leonard is narrating this. Cool. And it seems to be very focused on the fandom. Mm-hmm. So that should be interesting. We'll be watching out for that. Yeah, cool. I want to see that. And then you got that new book. Yes, and um, I haven't had a chance, as I said, to even crack it, but it's called Boarding the Enterprise, and it was put out in honor of the 40th anniversary. It is not a pocketbook. 
it's put out by a smaller press, mm-hmm. but it's only writing about Star Trek, so they're not violating anybody's copyright. <laughs> There's a lot of essays about Trek and different aspects of it. There's an article by David Gerald. There's an article on fan fi- fiction. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that, that and I will report good. back on it. Cool. Speaking of fanboys, um, <laughs> so well, let me back up a little bit here because we want to give some context. Um, you just told me um, the other week that they have now added Star Trek TOS to iTunes TV shows, and you can download them for your iPod. And you know what else I found out? Yeah. They also have them in the iPod format on Amazon. Really? And Amazon has all three seasons, but they have none of the remastered. Oh. iTunes has the ones in first season that have been they, remastered yeah. so far. Now, I don't know if they remaster more of them. Are they going to replace what's That's there? That's my question. So you had told me that, and then I finally figured out how to get the iTunes fucking preview thing to work it took me like no kidding like 20 minutes i'm like clicking around it's not really intuitive so you can watch the previews which are about like 45 seconds or something maybe a minute in some cases Mm -hmm. some are longer than others yeah they they pretty much show quite a bit of the teaser of each episode and the big question was are the ones they're selling on itunes remastered or not and the answer is yes sort of (laughs) Some of them are, and some of them aren't. And you can tell by watching the previews. That's Mm -hmm. the thing. The ones that are remastered are clearly remastered. I mean, you look at them. The color is unbelievable. In some, they've actually shown some of the remastered special effects, which are very cool. Um, And they're really nice. I mean, they actually blow up to really big on your screen. I have the the small power book, so it basically takes up my whole screen. And it looks really, really good. Um, And the one that totally made me scream and laugh was the one for Space Seed. And you all have to go and watch this. I, I wanted to see if I can find a way to link directly to that preview. Maybe I can. But when you're looking at it, it it's a shot that I don't really remember from the episode very well. because Now you do. I do now. <laughs> but it's a shot where um, it's before they get to the Botany Bay, and it must be in the, fir- the first couple minutes of it. And it's a shot that starts out slightly overhead, and then it must be on a crane. It pulls back. So it's looking down on the whole bridge with Kirk right in the middle. And with the remastering and everything... His hard-on, it is not just a dick. It's a hard-on. <laughs> right there in his pants. It has its own light. <laughs> it's cock light. It's cock light. It's so reflective. <laughs> you look at it and you see the light and it's like, there's a little light reflection on his arm. There's a light reflection on the chair. There's a light reflection on his hard-on. And then, you know, like, you can just go through it. It's like, oh my God. It's just right there. Unbelievable. And your comment on that was so funny. I don't you, remember what I Yeah, said. when you emailed me back, you said, imagine having a job you like so much that you're aroused all day long. <laughs> Either from Kirk's Kirk perspective, perspective or Shatner's. Shatner's. <laughs> totally. So funny. Yes. I, I, I can't imagine it's having hilarious. a job like that. So that made me laugh and laugh. <laughs> so if you have some time to kill, I highly recommend you go over to iTunes and click through the previews and watch them and um, see if you can figure out which ones are remastered and which ones are not. Also, um, look at the one for This Side of Paradise. Because like in the first 30, 40 seconds, beautiful butt shot and incredible basket. Mm-hmm. Uh, all in just, the, the, <laughs> you know, almost in the blink of an eye, you know. Oh. Star <sighs> Trek, is there nothing it doesn't deliver that oh we want? Oh. So, um, I was a little disappointed to see that the preview that they have on iTunes for Where No Man Has Gone Before was really boring. Mm-hmm. It's just that scene at the beginning when they bring the burned up probe onto the bridge. It's like, oh, fuck, that's not interesting at all. But then, 
we just found out that um, StarTrek.com has a different preview for Where No Man that is remastered. It's very short, um, and it's very small, unfortunately. It's probably it's like in the 4 by 3, three by 4 or something format. It's Maybe very, very smaller. Um, but it looks cool. The special uh, effects look really good. and The, bon- edge of, the, the barrier at the edge of the galaxy is it gorgeous. It looks great. And wonderful. then, as you pointed out, bonus of bonus, it's pretty much all Mitchell all the time. And, oh, he looks good. Yes. Oh, my God, he looks so yes, good. Yes, yes, yes. So, Too bad it's not him walking down the hall, but that's not even really in the episode. What so. wouldn't you pay to see that ring? <laughs> oh, my God. So, um, the thing of it is, the link that you sent me to it is at the Trek movie uh, site, and their, their title for this is actually very funny. Yes. It says, put on some velour for the preview of Where No Man Has Gone Before. And you can click and see it in either um, uh, Windows or QuickTime format. And then there are, like... 150 comments that come after it, and <laughs> what really cracked me up was the first 10 comments are pretty good. They're from people going, "Oh, this is really awesome. The effects look amazing." And someone says, someone points out, "How could they not include Gary Mitchell in the remake of the new film?" You know, really good point. Yes. Um, and you know, just some comments about it, which is really good. And then after about the first 10 comments, it totally devolves into fanboy bickering. <laughs> And it's like people calling each other's names. These things look awful. I can't believe you people think that it looks good. Aren't they going to fix the tombstone? No, they're not going to fix the tombstone. Well, if they're not going to fix the tombstone, why are they bothering to do this at all? (laughs) But do you remember at the the Sacramento Con when the Akutas were there and they Mm -hmm. asked us, you know, by applause to show if we thought they could fix the tombstone or not? Do you remember what the outcome was? Did more people want it fixed than not? I can't remember. It seemed to me more people wanted it fixed, and I was appalled, and so was um, uh-huh. uh, Lyra Star. Yeah. And she was actually going to start a, a uh-huh. campaign, Save the R, you know, because we <laughs> didn't want that fixed, because it's been such wonderful fodder for fan fiction. Oh, man. Anyway. That's just tampering. That That's, you know, that's like... You know when uh, when museum people I forget what they're called who do the 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 cleanup on old oil paintings mm-hmm. to to bring out the color again deciding to change the color uh-huh. or you know or the background or something no you don't do it so I think that the answer is that they're not going to change the tombstone I'm Good. pretty sure that that's it and however you want to explain that is the way you explain that it doesn't matter but um, if if you want a laugh it would be fun to skim through some of these comments just to see fanboys bickering with each other oh, that's always amusing watching the alpha monkeys peeing at each other <laughs> well speaking of fanboys there is a movie coming out I don't know when called fanboys have you heard about this yeah I have heard and about Bill that and Bill has a cameo oh really Bill has a cameo um, as does Carrie Fisher oh wow and here's the basic premise and I'm probably going to get this semi wrong so I'm kind of like Bill in that way <laughs> Um, it's about the Star Wars fanboys, mm-hmm. and this takes place, not contemporarily, I guess, but one of them, uh, has some terminal illness, and he's going to die before Phantom Menace is released. Uh-huh. So they decide they're going to go to L.A. and somehow manage to see it or steal it or something, but uh-huh. that's the, the premise that's of the movie, interesting. and it's called Fanboys. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they've got, you know, a number of, of sci-fi people doing uh, cameos. Mm-hmm. That would be good. I, that would be fun to see. Um, okay. Let's see. Um, I wanted to mention um, that I've been adding some pictures to our Flickr account, sort of mm-hmm. slowly but surely, so um, people who want to see, well, you all, I hope, got to see those wonderful pictures from our, our Trek collection uh, 
fan heaven <laughs> expedition because that was really cool. But you know, we we both of us collect pictures of Bill that we find online, and I've been trying to add new things there as often as we can. And I'm going to add this one. Where did you get this picture? The North Beach and Rawhide picture. Um, that was posted on the Shatner BBS. And I like that you you noticed that Bill's dog is got his nose right in Bill's crotch there. Actually, I wasn't the person who noticed that. Um, uh, the person who posted it said, Bill's dog is in the picture, but not in the movie. <laughs> and then I looked and I went, wow. <laughs> it probably smells really good. It probably does. Okay, now I want to ask you something. Yeah? Because this is something you said that sort of was tantalizing to me. What? After we went and visited the Great Collection, like uh-huh. a week later or something, you said to me, I've been thinking about the pants a lot. <laughs> so I want to know what you've been thinking. Share your, your filthy pants-related you thoughts know, with us. Uh, the pants were just such a such an unexpected thing. <laughs> I knew we were going to see the shirt. I really had not processed that we were going to see the pants. Maybe they didn't tell us about the pants. I can't I, remember. I know. I was so focused on that we were going to see the bed. <laughs> in the show that didn't have an erection in them. But even, Just banish that thought. Even when I watch I mean, we don't know they're the Wrath of Khan pants or the, um, you know, Requiem for Methuselah pants, uh, I but... I, I don't know. Just when I'm watching that preview and I see him walking down the corridor and I see his butt in those pants and I think those could be the pants that we touched. <laughs> that they had his butt. His butt was touching the pants. He was in those pants when he was so young and beautiful. Just there's something about that that I don't know. You can see I'm getting all like flushed and excited yes, about. Yes, yes, and you're you're babbling and, and I almost am, stuttering. I'm babbling. And you have stars in your eyes. Twinkle, <laughs> twinkles like Davy Jones of the monkeys used to get when he fell in love. Just, I don't know. There's something about I'd those love to pants. take a picture of you right now thinking about the pants. Thinking about the pants. It'd probably be the best, most glowing, most radiant it picture would. of you ever. The pants just have a magical hold on me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> because they're his pants. There's something more intimate about the pants than the shirt, you know? Um, the shirt's yeah, well, shirt. yeah. The pants cover his, his bits, his important, powerful bits, the source of his charm and heart. <laughs> from right there. We held them and we touched them. You have thought about this a lot. I have thought. In fact, I thought... I'm surprised they didn't ask you to write an essay for that book about <laughs> his, pants. his pants and charm and hotness. Well, here's the thing that I also thought Maybe about. Maybe volume two. When we go back to see them, I'm wondering if, if given the opportunity, would I try those pants on? You know? Like, I... I, I you know, I wouldn't want to suggest it because they're, it's so fragile. I mean, you, yeah. you don't want to suggest anything like that. But would that be like committing sacrilege somehow, putting the pants on me? Should they just be pants that he wore and no one else wore? We lay down his bed. I know, but that's different. These are pants. They're his pants. I don't know. I say, if you could fit into them, do it. I don't know if, if I had the opportunity. If I had the opportunity, well, we'll see. I mean, I, I was hugging them. I know. I hugged them, too. We had our hands in them. Yeah. Well, I'll have to think about that one, but it's, it's definitely on my mind, what I would do in that situation. requires a lot of thought. Okay. So, yeah, but in the pants. Um, I wanted to point out um, Shatner Vision. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this is not the all-bill TV <laughs> channel that, that we keep talking about. But, um, let's see. Let's see if I can find this. Oh, I will have to... I will have to look because you sent me the um, the link to it a while ago. Oh, here it is. It's video on demand. Yeah, it's in video on demand and it's Shatner Vision. And there's about five or six things up now. The one you definitely shouldn't view (laughs) is uh, the New Year's Eve or the New Year's Bill's greeting because it's obvious his daughter... Mm-hmm. I think, just turned the camera on and said, Dad, say hi to your fans. And he just sort of rambles for a while. It's a very strange message. But also up there, and this is a treat because I'd heard about it and never seen it, is not very high quality, but it's um, Bill and Joan Collins mm-hmm. at the 35th anniversary Creation Con. And as the friend, Iddy, who mm-hmm. pointed this out to me, who told me it was there, um, said, he so did her. <laughs> Because it's really obvious. He is touching her, holding her hand, putting his arm around her, being very um, protective of her Mm because it's her first con and and telling everyone you have to be gentle with her. It's her first time. And uh, this is the moment I'd heard about. I just love finally seeing it. If you've ever been to a convention, they're always um, on stage. And behind them is a screen that's always showing pictures from Star Trek. And at one point, the fans are yelling at her, turn around, turn around. And she looks, and the big picture, of course, of her Mm -hmm. as Edith Keeler. And she says, oh, look at that innocent face. <laughs> Bill says, you weren't innocent then. <laughs> yeah, he so did her. And he to- well, and that's pretty well known that they had a, yeah. a, a, torrid, a torrid affair. affair. But anyway, we'll find that link and post that because, um, and we should all be, um, I subscribe to it, but I haven't gotten any of the notices. Mm-hmm. I think I actually have to, you know, set it up set as an RSS feed, but, um, then you'll be notified yeah. when new stuff goes up. Oh, and speaking of Shatner Vision, um, you had asked me, and I knew nothing about this, whether they were discontinuing the Shatner DVD Club. And I heard nothing about this. You know, I had a one-year subscription, oh, right. and I got my DVDs, and I've been continuing to get them. And frankly, I haven't even had a chance to open the last couple, but I didn't get any email or anything that said, we're, we're not doing this anymore, so I don't know what the deal is. So I'm wondering if anybody else out there had heard anything Um about whether it was being continued, I imagine that they would have had to say something if they were just going to stop yeah. it. Yeah. But anyway, so that's it. So we have all these movies that I've never watched. Big pile of them. <laughs> <laughs> Two more media Bill has conquered. <laughs> ballet. There is going to be a ballet. Now, where is this being done? I have to look again. Uh, set to music from Bill's album has been, and it's going to be in Milwaukee. The Milwaukee Ballet is going to be doing this in February, mm-hmm. and Bill may go to this. Of course. So, Bill has conquered ballet. The other, this one is wonderful. Um, it is a Star Trek knitting chart. Now, I believe <laughs> it's actually cross-stitch. It looks like cross-stitch to me. But, um... It's a chart, so you can do cross-stitch picture of Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. There's also um, a Spock and a Chekhov, a Chekhov and McCoy, McCoy uh, Scotty. Oh, there are two Spock ones. Well, no, oh, here's Spock, and there's oh, one that somebody actually did. Yeah. I believe there's an Ahura. Oh, there's Sulu. And here yeah. we go. There's Ahura. So, and here's the <laughs> Enterprise. So, you know, if you guys want to make these, if you're the artsy-craftsy type... You'll want to do that. That's, yeah. a, that's a great media. So for there Bill you go. Cross dish. Also, another thing that Bill's going to be doing, we have so much news from around his butt. Bill is going to space camp. 
Right. Space Camp in Huntsville, Alabama is celebrating its 25th anniversary this year, and William Shatner is going to be the MC where they're inducting 10 people into the Space Camp Hall of Fame, and these are people who have attended or been major supporters of Space Camp and the Space Center. Mm. So Bill is going to be doing that because, of course, you know, your space camp, who would you want? Of course, of course. He will never actually be going into space, as he said many times. That's right. Because he doesn't want to hurl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's um, right about that. Oh, uh, also, for those of you who haven't seen it, have you seen the Hummer commercial? Yes. Ugh. A TV commercial comes on where you're hearing the Star Trek music. Da, 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 yeah, and, I was all excited. And you, you stop dead going, what is this? What is this a commercial for? And it's for a Hummer. Ugh. And everybody I know has had that reaction. It's for a Hummer. Oh, man. So, you know, Star Trek saw Bill doing so well with Schilling. And I don't know about you, but I feel more violated by that than I did by the Beatles songs oh, yeah. being used to sell Pepsi or whatever, you know. It's just awful. Oh, I know. It, it's really bad. I read a really funny quote, which I just wanted to share. Uh, this is from memory, so it's not exactly right. But um, I'm a big fan of the Mythbusters guys, because I think they're great. And they're right. doing these things. And I was reading an interview with um, the mustache guy, Jamie Heineman, who's very funny. Um, and people were just asking about, you know, what they do and his opinions on various things. And they, they asked him what kind of car he drives. And he says, well, I have, like, this Toyota truck, and it gets good mileage and everything. And he, they asked him, well, what do you think about people who drive those really big cars? And he says, unless you live on a farm, if you have an SUV or a Hummer, you should drive it immediately to the junkyard <laughs> and get a small, energy-efficient car. If you don't do that, you're an idiot. Yep. I agree. But I like that. Drive it immediately to the junkyard. Yep. Now, did you know this? Due out in 2008. What? Bill is writing his autobiography. Oh, you mentioned that. And it's called Me So Far. <laughs> now, what do you think the actual title should be? Um, All the Women I've Ever Done? Well, I was thinking it should be Me So Horny. <laughs> Subtitled All the Women I've Ever Done. So I think um, he's going to have to do it in about 20 volumes because he's done so much stuff over the course of life. It's going to be so full of Bill bullshit because he has told so many strange stories that never actually happened and he's told them so often he believes they happened. So So that's going to be the fun part is sifting through it to try to figure out. So volume one will cover from when he was born until he was about 16. And it'll be short because he probably wasn't getting a lot of action. I don't know. He looked pretty good in that one picture of him in the bathing suit. How old okay, was he there? Okay, he's probably 15 or 16. So yeah. let's say volume 1 is 1 to 13. Uh-huh. 13 is where things get interesting. Yeah, yeah. So then volume 2 is when he was 13 to when he was 14. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if he tells, if he puts everything in that has happened to him and that he's done during his life, it's going to be multi-volumes. Multi. Yes. How can he pack it all into one book? Oh, I can't wait until he does the audiobook version of it. (gasps) (laughs) And then I did. Yeah. (laughs) I so did her. (laughs) And now I conquered another media. Uh, Really? Autobiography. Check. (laughs) Oh, God. That's going to be great. Well, we're going to have to get it and read it. Yep. Talk about it. So, um, 
has that pretty much covered the news from around his I spot? think so. That is a lot of news. Yeah, it will. That's an awful a lot ton of news. news. So we're going to watch some Boston Legal. Yep. And we're going to talk about that. And then I think um, we'll have a very short third segment that might have um, some some fan fiction in it. Okay, cool. That. So um, here's some music and stuff, and, and we'll be back with Boston Legal. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. We want to hear from you. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. you found the best podcasts in the universe. Oh, when the saints <laughs> go marching in. Let's go get the hookers. Let's do that. Let's do that. That was a great line. Um, Classic. Okay, so we just watched the first Boston Legal of the new year. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there was stuff going on in Boston. It wasn't interesting, so we're not going to bother with it. But the case that Alan and Denny were on was really wonderful. And the uh, the premise was there was this uh, younger female lawyer who had a case that um, Shirley asked or told Alan to go help out on, which was a case in New Orleans. And it was a doctor, Dr. Follett, who had been in New Orleans during the Katrina disaster, had been at a hospital that had no power, and uh, virtually the rest of the medical staff had all left. She stayed and ended up euthanizing five patients to spare them the suffering of the, the horrible, horrible deaths they were facing once it became very clear that there was going to be no rescue. So they, they had nothing. There was no electricity. There was no water. There was no support. There was sewage everywhere. And very little medicine. The looters had taken a lot of it. Right. So she had gotten together the medicine she could and done this. And so now she was on trial for murder. So Alan and Denny joined this woman on the case. Denny more or less imposes <laughs> himself on them because he wants to go to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was wonderful because Denny ended up giving Alan some fantastic advice mm-hmm. on the case. And, uh, and they won the case, basically. So that's sort of the plot right. recap. Um, so even though um, Denny was there, he wasn't the focus of the episode, but he was exactly right in his character, providing this really important insight to Alan, but also providing some very funny Denny comic relief, which was good, too. And I was thinking that's, that's the type of... Uh, writing and performance I like best that they mm-hmm. do for Denny, where we, we have sort of the, the, the goofy part, mm-hmm. the not-quite-with-it part, but then this very sharp, he's still, mm-hmm. the, that core of a really outstanding lawyer is still there. Yeah, yeah. And I like that we got to see both of those in a very nice balance. Yeah, it was great. So he, he had a great line right at the very beginning when this, this new lawyer, whose name is Vanessa, she's from um, Crane Pool and Schmidt in New York. And as we find out at the end of the episode, she's probably going to be going to Boston and joining them. And she seemed like a good character, so we'd be very happy to see her as part of the cast because mm-hmm. she was good. Um, and, and as Danny's trying to insinuate himself into it, she says, oh, what a shame. I've only got two plane tickets to New Orleans. And he says, 
Oh, too bad. I've only got a Gulfstream. <laughs> so that was good. Um, we and got to see Denny playing the kazoo with a, a, a toy, New Orleans jazz it band. It was a kazoo trumpet. No, uh, trombone. Trombone. I'm sorry, it was a trombone. Kazoo trombone with, with a band. And of course, being Danny, there he is up on stage with this swinging band, got his own microphone, yep. wailing away, just doing it. That was really good. Um, and then the best scene, I think, is, well, he keeps insisting to Alan that they need to go out every night and get drunk and, and meet women and all that. Hookers. Hookers, which he does. Yes. And then on um, one of the mornings of the trial, when Alan comes to get him, he, he opens the door to Denny's room, and, and there he is, Denny, in bed, with, in bed with three women and a fourth walking around brushing her teeth. And he says, they followed me home. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very interesting. There is a screen cap of it somewhere we'll try to post for you because the the positioning is Denny's in bed <laughs> mm-hmm. and one of the hookers is laying on top of them with her feet on either side of his head. Right. Now, obviously covered up with a sheet, but then there are two other women there in bed and in the middle of the scene, another one comes out of the bathroom <laughs> brushing her teeth. So he had four women. Yes. And one presumes he satisfied each of those women <laughs> to within an inch of their lives. Of course. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> and I was saying, I wonder how many times they had to shoot that. How many times did he screw it up so they had to shoot it? It was probably one of those things like the, the Kirk and uh-huh. kiss where he kept saying, uh-huh. oh, I can do this better. No, that wasn't quite what uh-huh. I wanted. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> Bill had a good day at work. I'm sure. Do you think he did all of those women who were in the scene? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's research. <laughs> Just checking. So that was really good. An actor prepares. Yeah. He's got a, he's got a, he has to know his instrument. (laughs) In that scene. Yeah. So that was great. That was really good. Um, and as you were saying, what, what he, he does, and, and this was good. And I was actually glad they introduced this right at the beginning. Um, when they show the first day in court, um, Danny doesn't say or do anything in the courtroom. He just sits there, and he's sort of got his eyes closed, and um, Alan questions him about it that night. He says, um, were you paying attention, or were you awake or something? And he says, oh, I was in and out. And, and he said, oh, you were hungover. And he said something like, it, it happens. happens. <laughs> and then that became not a joke, but a theme. And you saw each day that they were in court, Denny was not saying anything, and in fact had his hands kind of over his face the way you would if you had mm-hmm. a hangover. Or his eyes closed. Or his eyes closed. Yeah. But it was, I thought it was interesting that they... They, right at the front, called attention to it. So when you were watching the courtroom scenes, you were actually looking for him to see if he was like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that was really subtle, but they did a good job. Well, also, in character, he was doing, I thought, a good job of, yes, he's hung over, but he knows he's in court, so he's trying to make it look like he's listening yeah. and being really thoughtful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, my eye just kept being drawn to him to see if he was still doing that, mm-hmm. and he was. So it was a wonderful way of making him more active, even though all he was doing was sitting in a chair. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. I liked that a lot. Um, and he's the one who, who convinces Alan that he needs to try the case in a different way, that what he's doing is wrong. He needs to, to think something else. And that he gets that insight, even though he's hung over and not really paying attention. Right. He, he says to him, you're, you're trying this case like you're back in Boston, mm-hmm. and you're not. And that was great. That was really good. So um, Denny manages to have a great time. Yes. And, and manages to be very useful. There were a couple um, incredible scenes, mm-hmm. one between Vanessa and Alan that I thought was outstanding, where um, 
she was telling him, she said something like, I wish everybody, instead of watching 30 seconds of TV coverage and saying, oh, how horrible, and changing channels, I wish they would close their eyes and sit in the dark for a minute and try to imagine what it was like here. And that really kind of turns around the whole thing for Alan mm-hmm. because he does try and he realizes he cannot imagine it mm-hmm. and that no one who was not there can imagine mm-hmm. what that situation was like. And the summation, he was his closing, was so outstanding and... For a David Kelly show, I thought it was pretty subtle mm-hmm. in the slamming of the government. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he says the United States was nowhere to be found, it kind of feeds into what the prosecutor had just said mm-hmm. about this is the United States. We don't let people kill 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 people, but it was um, it was remarkably moving, and I thought it was more than most cases we've seen. It was very grounded mm-hmm. because there was no wacko. Mm-hmm. Uh, the testimony of the wife of one of the patients mm-hmm. was very moving and very realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, the the performance of the 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 prosecutor, mm-hmm. the doctor, there wasn't some nut job in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a very well grounded yep. case that they never overplayed. And as you were saying, you'd think that was just one of Spader's finest performances. Absolutely. I, I mean, even as Alan Shore. I, I think there have maybe been one or two scenes where he was that good, and I think what really made it real uh, or, or true to his character, but also that he was putting something else into it that we haven't really seen him do. He was getting choked up mm-hmm. talking about it and thinking about it, and rarely do we ever see Alan displaying that kind of emotion. He gets angry, yes, but he doesn't get choked up about things. Yes, and so it was great when after the closing, before they'd heard the verdict, the doctor said, thank you for believing what yeah, you said. Yeah, it was so believable and, and so realistic and so the way Alan would do it if he was feeling very strongly about something. He wasn't crying and he wasn't bursting mm-hmm. into tears. It was a very controlled but really deeply felt emotion and it yes. was great. That was just so good. Yes. That was wonderful. And it was interesting, too, when he and Danny had their final scene on a balcony. Of course. Of course, in New Orleans. And uh, they were talking about it, and Alan was saying, I tried, I still cannot imagine. And Denny says, um, no one can. It was mm-hmm. it was off the radar, off your radar, off my radar. And it was a very sensitive thing for Denny to say. But then he says, can we talk about something else? Yes. So, it, again, we got this great duality mm-hmm. from him, which we know Shatner is capable of, and sometimes the writing doesn't always support that or let him show it. So this was... Yeah, it was great. It, <sighs> it was, was wonderful. And it was, I think, a really good Boston legal episode where the characters were in character mm-hmm. and there wasn't, like you said, no wackos or crazy stuff happening. Well, there was in the other cases, right, which we didn't even bother with. Yeah, because who cares? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this was this was really, really good. So um, I, I am looking forward to the next episode. <laughs> yes. Which looks totally crazy. Um, one of the plot lines being that... Um, Denny finds out that he's listed as a terrorist on the, he's on the do not fly list and he, um, enlists Alan to help him get back on the, the fly list. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so do you he, think my friend Vicky is now on the do not fly list? <laughs> I was a dog. <laughs> I was telling Lena about a friend of mine who was escorted off a plane by security, but it was because her dog carrier wouldn't fit under the <laughs> seat and she wasn't making a scene or battling them. She thought they were going to help her. Yeah. 
fit or something. And so she was very shocked when they said, you have to get off the plane now. But anyway, she's not a terrorist and neither is Denny Crane. No, but he acts like one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well. Because when he finds out about all this, his first reaction is, let's bomb them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let me shoot him. (laughs) So that looks like it's going to be pretty good. So, and, and there were, a, Shirley was very good in this. Mm-hmm. She wasn't in it very much, but her scenes were choice. In one scene, she's talking to um, uh, Sam and Sideburns, and she kind of grabs him by the arm as he's walking along the corridor and says, how are you? Well, actually, I don't care. So. <laughs> Which pretty much sums up my feelings about him. I, I'm sorry, they could drop him and Bitchy do, and the cast is too large. It is. There's too much going on now. Yes. So that was very funny, and... Uh, they had another little scene between her and Paul that was actually really good. And that the, was nice. When I was watching this, when I was taping it, I, and I was thinking, the cast is too large. Why are we investing all this time and energy in these characters we don't care about? And where the hell is Paul? He's not in it at all. Uh-huh. And finally, he was in it a little bit then at the end. That was a great little scene. He's he's asking Shirley. He overhears Denise um, making a plan with the salmon sideburns to become friends with benefits. And he overhears this, and he doesn't know what it means. So he goes to ask Shirley, who's sitting in her office and wearing some really nice shoes or boots. Yeah. I couldn't tell. I want those. Um, and so she asks, he asks her what that means and she explains, she sort of laughs and he says, he just overheard Denise saying this and should we do anything? And Denise says, well, they're both consenting adults. I think we should stay out of it. And then he very, in a very weird way, he sort of gets ready to leave and he says, would you ever consider doing anything like that? She says, no, would you? (laughs) And he says, no. And then he kind of gives her a second look as he's leaving and the scene ends focused on her and she's got kind of an interesting smile on her yeah. face. So that was really good. I like that. I want to ask you something about that scene, though, if something struck you. When she was, when he was saying, should we get involved? He's a partner, she's mm-hmm. an associate, and, and Shirley said, they're consenting adults, we don't do anything. Mm-hmm. I thought, then why was it such a big deal when they had to play the Looney Tunes music for Parker Ch- Posey to be chasing around the office to expose Brad and Denise? Mm-hmm. And the whole basis of that was he was a partner and she wasn't. Yeah, I know. I why was it a big uh, deal, know. you know, three months ago? Because it was convenient. Because it's TV. Because it's TV. Hmm. It's not consistent. I don't know. Oh, I'm, sur- I'm sure some fanficker is taking care of that right now. Spackle that. Now. Now. Get your spackle bucket out. So, anyway, so I'm very happy that this is off to a good start. That mm-hmm. was a really good episode, mm-hmm. and I liked it. And we were, so, a couple things we noticed. One was that the bar that they were in that was supposed to be in New Orleans was probably the set that we were on, which is... Yes, <laughs> just redressed. Redressed a little bit, looking the same thing. And then I thought they did a pretty good job of recreating... I don't think they actually went to New Orleans, do no, you? I'm that was sure all they set. didn't. That yeah. was all a set. Yeah. It looked good, though. It did. It looked really good. And I like that they had a New Orleans balcony. They did? Which, of course. It was good. Denny and, and uh, Alan cannot go anywhere that doesn't have a balcony. And then um, the set that was the courtroom set, we were pretty sure, was the set they, the second set that they were using for the um, Los Angeles courtroom scenes when mm-hmm. we were there. So that was cool, too. So cool, just to say we were there. Yep. I still think about that. Oh, often. me too. <laughs> Ah, okay. Uh, Anything else about Boston Legal? I think that covers it. Okay. Let's take another little break, and then we've got some some fun stuff to to round this up. Cue the music.
me a story. <laughs> read me a story, I will please. read you. I'm going to read you two stories, in fact. Okay. The first story is from our friend Jennifer, um, Cheapy Floor, who has sent us great email and funny stories in the past. Now, is this the Jennifer who, who wrote more of the... the yes. Okay, great. She's a great writer. <laughs> and I, Jennifer, I'm going to apologize right now. You sent this email back in November, <gasps> and we're just getting around to it now. But you can see how busy we've been. So the subject header for this was, I wrote a story even better than Spock's hot date. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hard to believe, but... And I haven't heard this story or read it, so... So she says, hey guys, your first Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Las Vegas episode inspired me to write this stupid story for your amusement. I loved crazy old Ruth, as I call her, Ruth being bug girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> so much, I just had to write about her. Enjoy. So I'm going to read this. Yay. So this is in response. You guys remember the hater girl who was saying all kinds of things. And I checked her blog a couple of weeks ago. She hadn't really ranted about anything else, so who knows? She's probably too busy wrapping her house in tinfoil or something. <laughs> Okay. So here we go. <clears throat> the following is based on real events. Only the names have been changed to prevent some lunatics from getting free publicity. Quote, it is called The Word. An employee of a major software giant told his friend, Steve was, a fr- Steve was frustrated at how terrible his life was going. He had no girlfriend. He worked at a dead-end, boring job that he had worked for eight years. To make it all worse, he was up to his ears in debt. Steve honestly believed that his life couldn't get any worse. That was, until he discovered the word a few weeks ago. Now he reads the site every day as Goddess Ruth tells it on her blog. As he told his friend all about Ruth and the site, their boss came in. Recognizing a true believer, he asked, Did you read the last post about the butt girls? (laughs) Steve's face darkened as he heard their names. Yeah, he said coldly. They should be ashamed of themselves. His boss nodded. We can only hope that Bill Shatnar tracks these people down and takes care of them. Now Molly, Steve's co-worker and friend, asked them, I don't understand. I thought they loved William Shatner. Steve snapped, They do not. They only see William Shatner as a sexual plaything and do not care how he feels about it. Molly's was stunned. Molly and Steve had been friends for years, but he never snapped at her like that before. Well, she began. She was interrupted by her boss. You can't expect to defend people like them, can you? He demanded. Molly didn't know what to say. How can you tell your boss that he is just plain wrong without getting fired? Molly had the premonition this was all going to go downhill. Steve ranted, Molly, you must know that they are just a couple of teenage men pretending to be women as they obsess over Kirk's butt. (laughs) Molly told him, they are not. She was interrupted again by her boss, whose voice rose yet another decibel so that she would be forced to listen to his reason. They are men. Hell, I heard they also write smutty stories about Kirk and Spock. I don't even want to think what they do to our beloved characters in them. Steve was shocked. He said excitedly, they do? nodded. Yep, one of them wrote a story so bad that Shatnar once wrote a cease and desist letter. Steve said they have really gone too far. Their boss nodded. Ruth is very knowledgeable in these things. After all, she was Shatner's first love. Steve nodded and intoned, how can you doubt the word? Their boss took him by the shoulder. You know, Steve, I like you. It's nice to know that there are people like you in this world. People who know the truth of the word. Let us discuss your management opportunities. They left the room together. Molly stood there, shaking her head. How do you stop a couple internet nuts from spreading their garbage? She wondered, but came up with no answer. Maybe it will all blow over, she hoped. <laughs> yeah. What a great story. That's so funny. thank you. I, did, I just realized, that's fanfic about us. <laughs> it's got my urban legend. It's, it got, it's got everything. It's got everything. Isn't it great? Oh, Isn't Jennifer, it you're funny? a genius. I love you. Oh, so that was really fun. 
That was good. wonderful. Thank you, Jennifer. And once once again, apologies for not getting to it sooner. I had actually printed it out like the week that she sent it to us, and I just I had it in my pile of stuff that we were going to do, and then there was Christmas and <laughs> everything. So I'm sorry, but that was good. It was worth waiting. You for. know, that sort of had some some Dilbert. It did. Subtext it was, to it. it was of, you know, how do you tell your boss he's an idiot and that sort of thing? Yeah. So, oh, wonderful. That was good. Love right. it. Love it. Love it. Thank you. And now we have more fanfic. Yay. I wrote, oh, it's story time and I'm all settled in with my Verners. I wrote you a story. <gasps> for me? For you. I wrote this for you. And this, remember I told you a long time ago that I had like a little story idea? Yeah. This is it. I <gasps> You're so good. Now, this hasn't been baited. I just got around to sending it to Wildcat like yesterday. And of course, she hasn't gotten back with comments yet because he would do that. So it could probably use a little polishing, but okay. this is the story. I hope you like it. Oh, I'm so excited. It, it, it's, a, it's a serious story, but there's some funny stuff in it, and I'm not sure about the title yet, so I can't even give it a title. Okay. <laughs> but this will be posted on, on TrekFest when I'm done with it. Does this need any setup? Not really. I okay. think it, it's pretty clear. Now, I have to say... This is probably the most fanficiest thing I've written in a long time. That is, it's it's very in the Star Trek universe. Like, if you're not a Star Trek fan, this will make no sense to you. Well, if you're not a Star Trek fan, why are you listening to our show? Uh, you know, and if, if you haven't seen this movie, it will also not make any sense to you at all. So, there you go. Okay, well, that's the essence of fanfic. But I wrote it for you, so I don't care. Right. If you like it, that's Because I've matters. seen the movie, that's, whatever that's movie it all is. all that matters. Okay. So let me read this. I hope I can get through this and read it correctly. It was hot. Clear sky now that the ribbon of energy had passed and gone. Everything hurt more than he had ever thought his body could hurt, and he knew that it was, this time it was unlikely Starfleet would be putting him back together again. Highly unlikely. The odds were so high as to be incalculable, and no one was there to prove him wrong by calculating them anyway and informing him of that, that fact with what passed for a grin on Vulcan. Picard wouldn't do that. Kirk had only known him for the better part of an hour, or maybe it had been a hundred years, no matter, and could tell that he was severely lacking in the humor department. Maybe Starfleet had instituted a no-fun policy, maybe humans had grown up a little into the 24th century, or maybe Picard was just one of those captains with a stick up his ass. He wondered if the new Enterprise was happy with Picard at the helm. Picard was fighting with Soren, the batshit insane doctor that Kirk had come out of the Nexus to fight. Soren, who wanted nothing more than to once again be part of the million-fold dream universe that was the Nexus. A temporal Nexus, where everything came together, past, present, and future. Where he'd been lost for 80 years, it had seemed like moments, or centuries, no matter. It hadn't been real, and Picard had brought him to this very real place, and he'd saved the world again, and the pain in his body was now much, much worse. An explosion. Soren was dead, he knew that somehow. Picard would come to him and try to convince him that he would live to fight another day. Would that be the last thing he saw? Picard's dour face? Talk about insult and injury. Kirk could feel the blood running down his face, and he wondered why it was taking so long to die. All the other deaths, the false ones, the faked ones, the temporary ones, all fast, dramatic exits, like in a Shakespeare play. This was undignified. Patience had never been his strong suit, and now that he knew what was going to happen, he wanted to skip the strategy points and get to the conclusion. Funny how it was so easy to give it up now. He'd fought so hard to postpone death for himself, for his crew, but at the end, and it was the end, he saw only one path. Eighty years. Picard, captain of the Enterprise. Was there anyone left alive that he could call a friend? He closed his eyes against the sun, which seemed to have gotten brighter. When he opened them again, Picard was sitting next to him in the dirt. I should talk to him, Kirk thought. He looks upset about something. 
Did we do it? Did we make a difference? Kirk asked. Oh, yes, Picard said heavily. We made a difference. Thank you. So polite, but he couldn't even crack a smile. None of this is fun for him, Kirk thought. He's in charge of the best ship in the fleet, and he won't enjoy it. Could I teach him that, even if I had the time? The least I could do for the captain of the Enterprise. Kirk couldn't resist one last crack. It was fun. Picard's expression was priceless. The pain crashed like stormy waves in his body and roared in his ears. The light of the alien sun hurt his eyes. He blinked, and now he could hardly see Picard anymore. The sweat on his forehead felt like it was hissing and popping. Picard seemed to have stopped breathing. Kirk thought, I want this to be over now. I'm done. I will go gentle into that good night. The light burned his eyes, his face, his hands. He could hear nothing but the screaming of his own blood. And then... Oh, my, Kirk gasped involuntarily as something cool and fast and very unexpected happened to him. Oh, my. He wasn't on Viridian 3 anymore. He was twisting, soaring, leaping through the air, except it wasn't the air. He was flying through space the way a dolphin cuts through water, unsinkable, unstoppable. He was free. Joy coursed through him. Laughter spun him in circles. And he wasn't alone. He felt her before he heard her voice, that cool, smooth touch that was hers and no one else's. When he was away from her, even for an hour, he craved it, the feel of her skin under his hand and next to his cheek. Strong, stronger than the trees or rocks or anything he'd ever touched on earth. Alive with invisible currents of energy that danced over her, she pulsed, she glowed, for him. The low whisper of her words wound through him, words of bright, clear ideas and sweet longing that no human throat could hold. Her voice and hers alone, out of all the other voices in the galaxy, it had called to him over the light years, guided him to every worthy place he'd ever been, and now it welcomed him home, she told him, this time for good. Was he in the Nexus again? Didn't care. Didn't matter. All that mattered was that he was with his one true love, entwined like the woven rings of Saturn. His broken body was left far behind, but still he felt his desire for, for her rising, as it always had. She matched his ardor, and this time there was no barrier between them as he melted into her and she encircled him. So much pleasure he thought he might dissolve into something less than what he was now. Adam's energy, the sound of time rushing by. But she held him tight and set their path as the stars rushed past. He recognized solar systems as they went by in nanoseconds and wondered where they were heading. Knowing her as he did, he knew she must have a purpose for she did nothing by accident, but for now she wasn't telling. Telling. He couldn't help thinking in physical terms, even though it was all in a different realm close to what he's experienced in mind melds, but effortless and mutual. No invasion. They were going back to Earth. No patience, but plenty of curiosity. How did they find each other, after all that time, across all that space? She drew him closer, and with a shock, he perceived that her body had been destroyed as well. At the same time, same place. Down on Viridian Three, while he was waiting to die, she was breaking apart, and her essence, too, had shot up into space. And she'd waited for him, because eighty years had been too long alone. She would never be without him again. Closer now, through the cloud of comets outside the solar system, past the outer planets like an arrow, to the beautiful blue sphere glowing with life. He felt no need to revisit old terrestrial places, haunts now, literally, and so felt no regret when they slowed and stopped. He was just starting to get used to being, well, wherever he was now, bodiless but still conscious, joined with his soulmate, when she asked him a question. Ready? Ready for anything. They sped forward again. He felt her longing for the object that loomed in front of them, hanging silently in space, barely more than a framework, and he knew that they'd reached home. 
He could not wait for her to take him inside, and he felt her mirth at his all-too-familiar intensity. And then they passed through the outer skin, and she said, We are. And he, she, they were everywhere at once, and he felt nothing but delight and wonder and love. There would always be an enterprise. That's it. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. Is it good? Yes. Yes. You're such a good writer. The the imagery is so vivid and so it's so um exact and coherent, you know, without going overboard into, you know, wordy, writerly sort of goofiness. And I absolutely love how you spackled him saying it was fun. That oh so that's my happy ending for Kirk. That's wonderful. I, I hope it sounds like him. I, I worked really hard to make it uh-huh. from his point of view, and I, and I think it's right. I think it feels right. Yeah. So that's what I think happens. Yeah, I, th- there are a lot of wonderful insights in there about how real death is different from from fake death, and that he wishes to to just get on with it, mm-hmm. you know, and the the physical sensations of the sweat feeling like it was sizzling and popping and. And then suddenly it's all cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So it's sort of a part two to the um, captain's privilege thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> well, he gets to be with her. Yeah. And, and they start things again. So, anyway. I, I just thought, you know, it, I, I hadn't really thought about it before. And, and I don't know. I haven't seen this discussed in terms of that movie that, that the ship breaks up and dies at the same time that he does. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what gave me the idea of, you know, them sort of finding each other. Yeah. And that's wonderful. That is that is wonderful. And I had never thought of that either. And when you, you read that part, I was like, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so that's where he is. Good work. Well, thank you. Oh. That's fantastic. So I will, um... I, I, and, there, and, and you you went to, to all the trouble of, of watching some of the movie? Nope. <laughs> Where did you get the exact quotes? Uh, online. Oh! <laughs> nah. See, I, when I wrote my generation story, I watched that damn scene about a bazillion times. No, there have been... There, people have transcribed it. The script is up online there. And oh, some okay. other stuff, and I, I just thought that, that that was better. I did have to actually do a bunch of research, though, just to, to find out... That things that happened at the same time, and and uh, you know when the new Enterprise was built after the old one got mm-hmm. destroyed and all that, so it, it should be pretty consistent with canon. So I'm going to clean it up. I just noticed as I was reading it, there's some spelling mistakes and stuff, and uh, I'll probably I'll put it up on my website, and then I'll definitely post it to Trekfest. Cool, so people can like it. Oh, that's great. We haven't had a story up there in a long time. Yeah, that's great. So I'm not sure what to call it. I was going to call it Au Revoir, but I'm not sure that that's the right title for it. It's a good title. It's not a great title. I don't know. You know, I'll think about it. Okay. You know, if I think of anything. Okay. Well, maybe Wildcat will have a suggestion. Yeah, that's true. So, we'll see. I'll be interested to hear her comments, too, if you don't mind sharing. Oh, I, I'm really curious to see what she has to say. She was, she was very excited. I asked her. She's like, oh, yes, I'd love to read this. 
And she's a good beta. She is, she's yeah. And, and I totally trust her on this because she's so familiar with this whole thing and she knows mm-hmm. Kirk and all yeah. that. So yeah. I think it'll be good. Oh, so very cool. That was wonderful. That was a real, real treat. Thank you. And uh, and like you say, it was remarkably consistent with Canon, consistent with Kirk. Yeah. Good work. Thank you. Uh, okay, so that's the fanfic portion of the show. Well, that was great. Yeah, that what was... a wonderful show this has been. It had lots of stuff. It had it news. It had Boston Legal. It had fanfic. It was it was another spectacular. Um, okay, so let's wrap this up. We have plenty more stuff for next time, including um, some old stuff and some new stuff. So um, we will be back next week with another show. Don't forget, do your homework. Send us things. Send us emails. Send us pictures and stuff. Even if it takes us two months to get to it, we That's do get right. to we it. We do get to it. <laughs> 